Welcome. This is David Barris, president of the American Association of Bank Directors. This is another in ABD's Calling All Bank Directors podcast episodes. Tom Vartanian is our guest today. Tom is the former executive director and professor of law at the Program on Financial Regulation at JMU's Law School. He was also a partner at Deckert as well as Fried Frank and general counsel of the Federal Home Loan Bank Board and FSLIC. He is currently a partner in the law firm of Vartanian and Lettig. He's the author of 200 Years of American Financial Panics, Crashes, Recessions, Depressions, and the Technology That Will Change It All. This is part one of two podcast episodes. Part one will address why the U.S. has experienced many more financial crises than most other developed countries and the role of government in causing or contributing to those events. Tom will also address what may cause the next financial crisis, when and why. We welcome any questions or suggestions you might have. My email address is dbarris at aabd.org. All right, let's call Tom. David, how are you doing? Good, good. Welcome to Calling All Bank Directors. Thank you. Happy to be here. Tom, uh, you recently published a, uh, a new book entitled 200 Years of American Financial Panics, Crashes, Recessions, Depressions, and the Technology That Will Change It All. I've read through the book, and it raises important issues for bank directors, so we're very pleased that you were able to join us today to discuss uh, some of the issues uh, raised in, that, in, the, in the book. Happy to be here. Thank you. Because of the subject matter, we've decided to have this as two episodes rather than one. And so the first um, episode will address uh, several questions relating to your book and the issues raised there. And then the next one will be how will bank boards uh, uh, address the issues that, um, that you did raise. So let's start with um, a question on, has the U.S. experienced more devastating financial crises than most or all other countries in the past 200 years? Uh, Yeah, David. Uh, Unfortunately, the United States has. And you might ask yourself the question, why is that when we've got such a comprehensive regulatory system? But the fact of the matter is, in the last 200 years, the United States has experienced 10 major financial crises, which have also been banking crises. And countries like Canada have experienced two. Uh, And in fact, the United States is at the top of the list with uh, having more financial crises than every country in the world, but Argentina in that period of time. And so the question arises, why is that? Well, we obviously have the most complicated markets. We've had periods of unprecedented growth in the last 200 years as the as the growth of America stretched westward as America was being uh, developed. Uh, but the problem comes in terms of understanding financial regulation. And I guess at the end of the day, what I've figured out in terms of analyzing both my experience over the last 50 years and then what's happened over the last 200 has been essentially that there's a lot of factors that go into creating financial crises. 
uh, and growth and speculation, which we've had a lot of in 200 years, is part of it. But if we're going to be fair and we're going to be honest about how we can solve what is this epidemic of financial crisis, I think we have to understand that government policies and politics have played a large role in many, if not most, of those financial crises, and in some of them actually caused them. So, for example, the last three financial crises we had before the COVID crisis in 2020, which I think is sui generis because of the pandemic, but the last three crises before that, the Great Depression, the savings and loan and banking crisis of the 1980s, and then the, the subprime meltdown in 2008 and nine; those were in large part in reactions to government policies trying to create more home ownership and more housing in America. It happened in the 1920s, happened in the 1960s and 70s, working up to the 80s, and then it happened, obviously, in the late 1990s and the 2000s, working up to the 2008 crisis. And in each case, an administration, Congress, or both, decided that we needed more home ownership in the country, and they manipulated regulatory and other aspects of the economy trying to make sure that more homeowners could get into the market. And clearly, more home ownership is a great goal. Uh, obviously, it is something that everybody can understand in terms of the benefits to the country. The problem is, is when you try to manipulate the markets to make it happen in ways that it might not otherwise happen before, in essence, what you end up doing, and this is sort of endemic of what happened in these last three financial crises, when you enlarge the housing market, you're not enlarging it at the top end, you're enlarging it at the bottom end, which means you're taking on more risk in terms of trying to expand housing markets into uh, areas of the populace that may not be able to carry that kind of debt. And so each of these crises that has occurred has had some element, whether tariffs, uh, taxes, uh, war, uh, housing-related policies, something has stimulated, facilitated, or actually created the financial crisis. And so if we're going to be honest with ourselves in terms of trying to figure out how to prevent future financial crisis, we have to understand that government policies play a big role in that, and we're going to have to understand that we're going to have to regulate in a lot smarter way in the future. What is the role of technology? That's changing, of course, from 20, 30 years ago. Uh, what, what's the impact there and what may ensue because of that? Yeah, David, I mean, I think that's the ultimate question today. Uh, and we've got to be really serious about understanding that question and the answer to that question. Because technology always has and always will be a two-edged sword. I go back to the story of Madame Curie, who uh, discovered radiation. And of course, from radiation, that led to a machine that has probably enhanced the quality of human life more than any machine, and that's the X-ray machine. But Madame Curie's discovery of radiation also led to the first atom bomb. And that's sort of the, the dichotomy we live with here. And, and in the financial services world, where we've got technology just changing the way that products are created and delivered every single moment of the day, and in large part enhancing the quality of life by increasing speed, uh, accuracy, and the uh, nature of financial transactions, we have to understand 
the technology is also being used and is going to be used uh, by the criminal uh, element in society, by nation states that are adversaries or enemies of the United States, by rogue nations and terrorists. And we can't be blinded by the innovative benefits of technology and run towards it blindly without being very cognizant of the fact that it is technology also that can bring down the financial services system. And the problem there is after 25 years of understanding this problem and writing about it in about 60 different ways uh, over that period of time in terms of executive orders, congressional publications, GAO reports, uh, and reports by various cybersecurity agencies, we've identified the problem. And in fact, the Clinton administration identified the problem 25 years ago. And that is, uh, as not, you know, we have to recognize not only the enormous benefits of technology, but the enormous risks and threats. And unfortunately, in that 25 years, between 1996 and 2021, we have focused blindly on the innovative benefits and really not fully appreciated and fully begun to deal with the threats that, that occur from technology. And so here we sit in a world where we're piling every inch of data and every ounce of, of value onto networks and systems and computers that are by any stretch of the imagination highly insecure and subject to attack uh, by anybody with supercomputing powers and the time and the money and the inclination to do it. And so moving forward, I think we have to understand that technology is this two-edged sword. And while we reap the benefits, We've got to make sure that we're solving vulnerabilities as fast as we're creating them, and that's not happening today. What does your research suggest about the, the next financial crisis? How, when, why, where does it come from? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, I, I just wrote an op-ed uh, with former chairman Bill Isaac of the FDIC uh, on that issue, basically saying that Financial crisis have their own 12-step programs. It's just like about everything in life. And uh, we have pretty much fulfilled each of those two 12 steps onto the way, on, on the way to the next financial crisis. Uh, for example, we've got an enormous influx of cash capital into the economy from the United States government. Uh, we've got a government that is spending well beyond its means uh, so that neither we, our children, or our grandchildren are going to have to be able to repay that debt. Uh, we've got the Fed having increased its balance sheet in 2007 from $800 billion to $8 trillion today. And in doing that, the Fed is now buying 56% of all of the treasuries that are being issued every year. And because of that, 25% of the, of the dollars that are in circulation today were created just in the last 12 months. And so you, com you combine that with the impact, the competitive impact of China and its goal of being dominant in the fields of artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and economic GDP by 2030. And those create enormous risks to the system. And the only question that is left in terms of every crisis that I've looked at over the last 200 years is what's the flashpoint that lights 
all of those financial IEDs that are now in the marketplace. And you never know what that flashpoint is going to be. Uh, in 2008, it was obviously subprime mortgages. Now, there weren't enough subprime mortgages issued to cause the global crisis. But what it did do, as it will do again and again when it comes to financial crisis, is it will be the spark that triggers the explosion of lots of things in the marketplace that are out there waiting to blow up, uh, largely because we have overstimulated the economy, over-leveraged the economy, and, uh, and over-speculated as, we, as, for example, banks try to lay off all the cash they have in earning assets such as loans. And when the banks have too much cash, they make too many loans, and that results in reduced underwriting standards. So all of the, all of the factors are now out there. And as I've said in my book, I think technology has a 50-50 chance of being the next major spark that causes the next financial crisis. So I know that the elements of the financial crisis are now in place. I know that they're growing each day. I know that technological vulnerabilities are growing each day. The only thing I don't know is the spark that's going to ignite all of that and when it's going to happen. But it will happen if history is any proctor for the future. Well, Tom, on that sobering uh, view, uh, well, um, <laughs> we'd like to uh, thank you for joining us on this first uh, episode on your subject. And we'll rejoin you shortly on the next discussion, which will have to do with um, what do bank boards do with this information. And David, thank you very much for having me. You know, you and I have known each other for about 45 years, and we've worked together from time to time, and we work together at the OCC. I have great respect for you and, and what you're doing uh, with the organization. So I, I'm really honored to be here with you and as a part uh, of the association. Uh -huh.